Hey, happy Sunday, Shoreline City. Excited about today. Are you glad to be at church? Yeah? I'm glad that you're here, especially our first-time guests. Thrilled to have you here with us. Give them another big old round of applause as well. I think we got people watching online, too. Why don't we welcome them as well? Glad you are with us. Excited about uh, today. Uh, we have on Thursday something very, very important going on. I want to make sure everyone who has gone through Growth Track is a part of it, and that is Team Night. Is this upcoming Thursday night? Team Night is basically a huge rally and huddle for everyone who has gone through Growth Track or used to be called Welcome to Shoreline back in the day. Those who are on serving teams, we want you to be here this Thursday night. It's going to be a fantastic time uh, together. I'm going to be sharing some things about where we're going, giving some updates on Easter and what we're believing God for. And I just can't wait. And I also heard we're doing, uh, I think, the Masked Singer as well on Thursday. So, should be a lot of fun, but also a lot of purpose uh, as well. Uh, we have been in a series called Mobilize because this is the word that God gave me for our church for this upcoming year. Uh, the word mobilize means to prepare and to organize troops for active service. It means to organize and encourage people to act in a concerted way in order to bring about a particular objective to marshal for action, ready for action, movement, to assemble and make ready for war. I, uh, a couple of years ago, well, a few years ago now, I took a trip to Turkey. It was my first trip to Turkey. I had already been to uh, India at this time, and now I'm excited to go over to Turkey. I'm going to be meeting a friend of mine over there. He's going to be showing up in a couple of days. And I'm in uh, Turkey, fly into Istanbul. We're on our way to Ankara, then going to drive a number of miles to this really remote village. Uh, it, was, it was an amazing experience. But when I'm in Istanbul, I'm sitting there, and some of us know what it's like to go to another country. You don't know the language at all. So you're sitting, I'm sitting there and I'm trying to make sure I don't miss my flight. So I don't walk the streets of Istanbul. I wish I would have. I'm just sitting there trying to make sure I don't miss my flight. And I figure out somehow, some way, okay, it's my time to board, but I have to get on this bus in order to drive to the, uh, the, the airplane. So we get on this bus and there it's packed. Okay, there are people everywhere. We're in there like sardines. It, it, we're so, so tight in there. I'm looking around. I don't see any black people. <laughs> I didn't see any Americans. It makes sense. I'm in Turkey, right? So uh, I'm looking, looking around and just trying, you know, waiting, waiting to get to uh, our, our airplane. And I feel someone graze my backside. Okay, okay. I'm like, well, it, we're tight in here. Must be a bag, you know. Didn't feel like a bag, but I'm thinking it's, it's a bag. So I'm um, standing there, you know, still waiting to get to, to our airplane. And again, whew, somebody's ninja hand comes by, by my backside. So now I'm thinking, well, this belongs to my wife. This is hers. There's nobody else's. So I'm thinking, I might have to get Hood up in here. You know, I might have to let them know. But then I'm thinking, Earl, you're in Turkey. You ain't letting nobody know nothing, right? You just stand here and keep looking straight. Um, 
a third time. I'm not kidding. This time it's not a graze. Someone, oop. <laughs> a little pinch. I'm like, okay, you know, I, I just have to say something now. Now this is like, this has this crossed the line. So I turn around and there's my friend that I was supposed to be meeting. He's crying, laughing so hard. He's like, Earl, what took you so long to turn around? I was like, man, I'm in Turkey. I didn't want to get arrested. Or I... Anyway, anyway, I didn't want to start a fight with anybody. In Turkey, though, in Turkey, you, you don't use dollars. Uh, I believe it's actually the, the Turkish lira. Um, and I've been to India, as I was telling you, and in India, they use rupees. Uh, they don't use the dollar. Uh, I've been to Great Britain, and they use pounds in Great Britain. Again, not, not the dollar. Uh, in Guatemala, we have a campus in Guatemala, beautiful Antigua, Guatemala. Uh, it's Quinsales, I believe is how you say that uh, correctly. That, that's what we use uh, down there. But, but here in, in, the, in the States, we use dollars. But whenever you go to another country, you have to use the currency of that country. So if you have dollars, you have to exchange your dollars for the currency of that nation if you want to buy and sell goods in that nation. Makes sense to us. I want to talk today about the currency of the kingdom. There is a currency to the way God does things. There is a transaction point, if you will, and this currency in the kingdom is not greed, It's not pride. It's not complaining. The currency of the kingdom is faith. And if you do not understand this, you might try to exchange pride and think you'll receive something from God. But the reality is God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. You might think complaining will get you what you want. My children think this sometimes. Those of us who have two-year-olds know sometimes they think temper tantrums will get them what they want. Their currency is emotion, so they're trying to let you know, hey, parent, make an exchange. I want something. Here's my temper tantrum. And parents, remember, don't give in to that as hard as it is at times, as worn down as you might feel at times. You have to train them. That's not my currency. Matter of fact, you've got some friends of yours, some family members that love drama. And what they do is they'll send you text messages that are crazy and wild and make no sense at all. And they're trying to pull you into their drama and you can't respond to that stuff. Their currency is drama. Their currency is victim. Their currency is make things crazy. And you've got to go, that's not my currency. The currency of the kingdom of heaven is faith. Not faith. Like some humanistic idea of faith. I'm talking about biblical faith. I'm talking about Christ-centered faith. I'm, I'm talking about faith that emerges from the character of God and the person of, of, of Jesus Christ. I'm talking about faith that's talked about in Hebrews uh, chapter number 11, verse number 33. Uh, the Bible says this of those who have gone before. So it says, who through faith conquered kingdoms. 
administered justice and gained what was promised. It was through faith they got these things. Faith is not a weak thing. It was, it was through faith that they shut the mouths of lions. It was through faith that they quenched the fury of the flames and escaped the edge of the sword whose weakness was turned to strength. And it was by faith they became powerful in battle and routed foreign armies. All of this was by faith. So I want you to lead your company by faith. I want you to lead your single life by faith, your dating relationship by faith, your marriage by faith. Whenever you have a new kid that comes into your world, raise that child by faith. When you're going to start a company, you do it by faith. Faith. I don't want you to think faith is just a Sunday church thing. Faith is how you and I have been called to live our life. So if you're applying to grad school, you do it by faith. If you're starting something, you're starting a brand new job, you do it by faith. If you move into a new neighborhood and you move into a new apartment, you do it by faith. If you're beginning a new endeavor, you do it by faith. If you're believing for God to put a marriage back together, you're believing for God to heal your mind, or you're believing for God to end homelessness or sex trafficking, if you're believing for God to put families back together, we do all of this by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. This, my friends, is the currency of the kingdom. Now, today, I'm going to, those of you taking notes, you're going to be happy with me. I got three things. Boom, three, 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 okay? First two, I'm going to go through quickly. First two, I'm going to go through quickly because number three, I'm going to dig down deep into the last one, okay? So first two, I'm skimming. I know I'm skimming. I recognize that I'm skimming. But the last one, we're going to spend some more time digging at this. Here are the three things I want you walking away with today. Number one, the importance of faith. Number two, the object of faith. And number three, the size of faith. Number one, the importance of faith. Number two, the object of faith. And number three, the size of faith. Let's begin with the importance of faith. I'm going to show you this verse of Scripture. Some of us may have heard it. Others of us have never heard it. It's found in Hebrews chapter 11. And it says this, and without faith, it is impossible to please God. Because anyone who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Without faith, it is kind. You got a chance to please God. Without faith, nah, it's 50-50. No. The writer here says without faith, it's impossible to please God. If you want to hear well and done, good and faithful servant. You hear it by faith. If you want to live a life that honors the cross of Jesus Christ and the sacrifice that he has made for all of us, you do this by faith. You can go ahead and help a whole bunch of people, but if you're not living your life by faith, the Bible here tells us you're not pleasing God. In order to please God, faith must be a part of the exchange. This is how you receive anything from God. This is how you and I receive our salvation. Now understand this. this is, that's the importance of faith. Again, I told you, I just skimmed on the top of that. I skimmed on the top. 
Because the object of our faith matters. Because some people will then elevate their faith to be the thing that's most important. That's wrong. The object of our faith, we find out in Mark chapter 11, verse number 22, Jesus says these words. The object of our faith is to have faith in God. You and I are not supposed to have faith in faith. Some people have faith in their faith. Oh, my faith's so big. My faith's so strong. They even have faith in their religious uh, duties. I, I, I pray. I read the Bible. I tithe. I serve. I have faith in those things. But, the, but Jesus said, never said to put your faith in any of those things. Th- those are an outworking of our faith. Our faith is supposed to be in God. Have faith in God. Do not put faith in your skin color. Do not put faith in your gender. Do not put faith in your political party. Do not put faith in the country that you are from you put your faith i put my faith in god have faith in god not faith in your faith character of god who jesus is he's been so kind and merciful and we see his life lived in these scriptures we get the exact representation of who god is in the person of jesus christ there is no mystery here we know who he is so okay those are the first two i told you i told you okay i skimmed i did i did but this last one we're going to spend some time on okay little scuba gear put it on We'll go down. We're going to dig into this one here, okay? The size of your faith. The size of your faith. We're in Texas. Come on, y'all. Bigger. It's got to be bigger. If If it's big, it's not big enough yet. Big, 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 bigger, biggest, big, biggest, bigger. Big, just if it's bigger, it's better. Big, 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 big. We got all these people moving from California, bringing these little, little tiny vegan sandwiches. <laughs> we don't need your California-sized sandwiches here. If you're going to bring a vegan sandwich, let it be a big vegan sandwich. That's why lots of celery, lots of hummus. <laughs> we love... Big. Let, let, let's dig. Let's dig into this. Mark chapter nine. Mark chapter nine. Uh, in Mark chapter nine, we we discover Jesus has been on the Mount of Transfiguration. He has brought a couple of his close disciples with him. There is this moment uh, with. Uh, The law and the prophets, Elijah and Moses, and Christ is being prepared for his coming uh, crucifixion and and resurrection. And so Jesus is on on the mountain having this amazing moment, and a father brings his son to Jesus, but Jesus is not there. Jesus is on the mountain. And he brings his son, and the father ends up having an interaction with the disciples of Jesus because a few of them were left down on the mountain. And they're down here and they're having this interaction and Jesus shows up in verse number 16 and Jesus says these words, what are you arguing about? What's going on here? What's all the ruckus? And we discover that Jesus' disciples 
and the religious leaders are arguing about a problem. And this problem has been brought to them, and this problem is found in this father's son. But the disciples and the religious leaders are arguing. They're going back and forth about a problem. But notice, nobody's doing anything about it. (laughs) Just talking about it. Can I say for a quick second, I don't want to be that church. I don't want to be the church that argues about a whole bunch of stuff but does nothing about it. I don't want to be the church that talks good game but cannot walk. I don't want to be a church that, that has a mouth that our behavior can't cash the checks, if you will. I want to be a church that actually does what we say we're going to do. And if everybody else wants to argue about stuff, we're not getting involved in that. We will be the church that getting dirt underneath our fingernails, loving people that people say should not be loved, bringing in people that people say they should not be brought in. We will be the ones laying down our lives for the cause of Jesus Christ. The whole time never compromising who he is and what he's about because this is the path that he laid out for us. You lay down your life for those you love. So here they're arguing back and forth. Then we discover verse number 17. We we discover uh, this is what's going on. A man man in the crowd answered, teacher, I brought you, my son, who is possessed by a spirit that has robbed him of his speech. Verse number 18, whenever it seizes him, it throws him to the ground. It foams at the mouth, gnashing his teeth and becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive out the spirit, but they couldn't do it. The man has brought his son To Jesus. Jesus is not there. Since Jesus is not there, the man is okay to deal with Christ's followers because it makes sense. Hey, you represent him. Since you represent him, you should be able to do the same things that he does. I understand this pressure. I understand people bringing things to me. They're like, hey, you represent Jesus. Handle this. And I'm like, uh... (laughs) oh boy prayer partners the down front (laughs) grabbing hands with someone and someone shares the most impossible of situations and they're like fix it with this one prayer Okay, some of you at your job, you're the only Christian, right? You're the only one that's like vocal about your faith so something bad happens in the world and everybody comes to you like, hey what's going on here? I don't know. I'm as confused as you are right now. But it makes sense because of who we're connected to. So the disciples uh, have this interaction with the dad and they're not able to deal with this evil spirit. Notice what, what the evil spirit does to this boy. It takes away his speech. This evil spirit throws him to the ground. This evil spirit has him gnash his teeth. This this evil spirit has him foaming at the mouth. I was reading all these different things. It has him rigid, and I was thinking, man, this sounds like some of our lives. No speech. You're so shocked. What happened? I can't believe he would do that. I can't believe she would do that. I can't believe they would leave me. Shocked. Shocked. Can't believe 
They're acting this crazy. Why is this family member acting this crazy? Again, it's like they're rolling around on the ground, foaming at the mouth. The situation is crazy. No one would even believe that this is going on. So matter of fact, I'm going to compartmentalize that part of my life and make sure no one knows that part of my life is going on because if they knew that was going on, they would not accept me. So I'm just going to go ahead and push that over here because this is crazy. But there are some problems you have that just end up not staying in the closet the way you want them to. There are some things that end up showing up on Facebook and Instagram and through a friend or a family member or through your job or through somebody that comes into your life. You're like, oh my gosh, I cannot believe this has now shown up. And it's out there in front of everyone to see. It can anger us. You ever felt paralyzed? Like you don't know what to do? I don't know where to turn. I don't know what to do next. Here is this father with his son. So, so keep going down. Jesus then says, verse 19, you unbelieving generation. How long shall I stay with you? Look at this. How long shall I put up with you? You didn't think Jesus talked like that. (laughs) Bring the boy to me. Uh, The ESV uh, translates it like this. You faithless generation. What is going on here? I cannot believe this. So this father has shared the story. Jesus is now... Ready to interact with this son. Bring the boy to me. What I'm about to show you here next is a really, really important piece to understand to the story. He brings the boy to him. Look at this, verse number 20. So they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground and rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Do you see that when Jesus is first talking with the dad, the boy's fine? It's once Jesus says, bring him to me, that now the boy has another episode. This is what happens in our lives all the time. Things, this problem is one of those problems that's only a problem when it's a problem. It's one of those things that goes silent for a while. Then it rears its ugly head at the most inopportune time. This is one of those problems that you can deal with it when it's not rearing its head. But once it shows up, it like takes over your whole life. This is one of those marriages that's good for like eight months out of the year. And then four months out of the year, it's like hell. This is one of those jobs that for most of the year, six months, it's really, really good. But come tax season, things go crazy and you want to quit it's one of those jobs one of those situations one of those problems that's always present but not always loud it's there lurking in the background it's one of those ones that gives you anxiety because you're not sure if you can plan the vacation because you're not sure if it's going to rear its head again It's like that depression that you got out of, but you felt like you'd gotten out of it before. And you're wondering, is it going to come back? Is it going to come back 
now that I'm falling in love with somebody? Is it going to come back now that I got my new job? Is it going to come back now that I'm about to graduate school and go into my career? Is this thing about to rear its head? And it's been there silent for long enough. But now Jesus says, come, and now all of a sudden it wants to show it's behind. Maybe that was too real for you. I apologize. There's another word I could have used, but we're in church. Shows its ugly face. So here, so they brought him. When the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into a convulsion. He fell to the ground, rolled around, foaming at the mouth. Verse 21, Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? Do you see how chill Jesus is? Just so you know, Jesus is not smoking. I need to do something else. Uh, little tea, little tea. Grab, grab some tea. Pinky out. Uh, how long? How long has the boy been like this? How, how, how long? How long? How long has the boy been like this? He's not moved. He's so confident. He's so calm. He's so chill. I wish I was like this. Here is a boy convulsing, foaming at the mouth, and Jesus is cool as the other side of the pillow, as Stuart Scott used to say, shout out to ESPN Sports Center back in the day. Cool, chilling out, relaxing right here. And this problem in front of him is going crazy. Why do I respond with so much anxiety when problems come my way? Why do I respond with so much fear when problems come my way? Why, when things aren't working out the way I want them to work out, do I want to run and hide right away? That's not the way my Savior did things. Here is something that's not supposed to be this way, but Jesus looking at it dead in the face going, how long has it been going on? Because I can handle this. Why do I keep believing that the things that I face God cannot handle? Why do I keep believing that? But Jesus here is standing with, with peace and strength and security knowing I've got this. This thing can show up. This can be the worst episode ever right now. I still have this. Then the father says, father says from childhood, from childhood. It's been going on. It's been going on for a while. It's not, it's, not a, it's not a new thing for our family. It's been going on for a while. We've been battling this one for, for quite some time. From childhood, he answered, it has often, verse 22, thrown him into the fire or water. It's tried to kill him. You have anything in your life like this? Do you have anything in your life that's tried to kill you? Anything in your life that has tried to take you out? Anything in your life that has tried to cut out your knees from underneath you and put you flat on your face and literally steal the purpose and the call of God that's on the inside of you? Do you have anything in your life? Have you gone through anything with a family member or a friend that has tried to kill you? This is what this man is going through. Then 
He says, but if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. But if you can do anything. I, uh, um, I've, been, I've been trying to put myself in this story all week, so I've been feeling a lot of this dad's emotions. I've been feeling a lot of what he may have been feeling. Because when you have a child and your child is dealing with a problem that you can't fix, there is no pain like kid pain. This past week I was visiting Robert and Jen Morgan in the hospital. And thankfully, by God's grace, they're Their beautiful baby, Bella, came into the world, but she had to come early. She came at 31 weeks, and now she's in the NICU. And you know what it's like to see your 31-week-old baby with tubes on their face and IVs in their arms? And here is this father in this story. He's been working. He's been at work. He's been at work. He's been at work. And all of a sudden, he gets another phone call from the school saying his son is having another episode. And he's got to say, boss, I'm sorry. i got to leave right now, but don't fire me because I need the benefits that come with this job. This is the best job I've ever had. And I need these benefits because these benefits help me pay for the medical bills of my son. So don't, don't fire me. But I have to leave right now because if I don't leave right now, I don't know what's going to happen to my son. And he rushes to the school, grabs his son, and holds his son in the corner while all of his friends are looking at their classmate while this little boy is foaming at the mouth I got you son I got you son I got you son the episode lasts for three minutes or seven minutes I've got you son I've got you son he's having arguments with his wife about dumb things but it's not about the dumb thing they're arguing because it's so filled with tension because they haven't been able to figure out what is going on with their child so over and over and over again they keep bickering and arguing with each other and even talking about divorce but it's not even about those things it's because they don't know how to handle the pressure of this child that is dealing with this pain that they cannot do anything with Have you ever been here? Have you ever had a problem that you've been praying about for a while, but doctor's bills still keep piling up, that there's no answer to the prayer? It seems like, it just seems like there's confusion. It almost can feel like heaven is silent. God brought you here today to remind you that he has not forgotten about you. He brought you here today to remind you that he's still good, that he's still on your side. He's still fighting battles for you. I get why he would say, if you can. I'm not judging this father. I get this pain. I get this pain. If you can. I prayed a lot of prayers. So if, if you can, I mean, I've read a lot of scripture. <laughs> I went to Bible school. If you can, I'm at the end of my rope here. If you can, there are two times in this story Jesus gets upset. (laughs) Two times. First one is when the disciples didn't do what disciples were supposed to do. 
Oh, you faithless generation. And then right here, he says to his dad, verse 23, come again. <laughs> if, if, you, <laughs> you know that, that gif? And the guy's like, If you can, Jesus answered, everything is possible. Everything is possible. Everything is possible for one who believes. Everything is possible. Not some things are possible. Everything is possible for the one who believes. Everything is possible for the one who believes. I know the situation has been like that since childhood. But everything is possible for the one who believes. Everything is possible for the one who believes. Not some things. Everything is possible. I pray this gets into your heart of hearts. Everything is possible for the one who Believes. And the greatest, one of the greatest statements of faith, one of my favorite statements of faith in all the Bible. Verse 24. Immediately the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, but you got to help me. You're going to have to help me. I believe, but help, help me overcome my unbelief because I've been in this for a while. I've been fighting this for a while. This demon has been messing with my family for a long time. I, I have not seen a marriage that stayed together, okay? So I'm not sure if my marriage will. I have, I, it's been a long time since I've seen my sibling walk in a healthy way, okay? So it's just been a while, so I'm not sure. So help me, help me overcome my unbelief. And if you've lived your Christian life and you've never been to this point, you just haven't lived it long enough yet, Well, you're like this father right here, and you bring him to Jesus, but you're just not sure if it's going to work out this time. But, But I believe, Lord, I believe, but just help me overcome. Help me overcome my unbelief. Because I've had so many doors closed on me. And the sickness has been bothering my family for a long time. This dark cloud has been over us for generations. Lord, I believe. Would you help me overcome? Help me overcome my unbelief. This word help is a a military word. It's like an urgent plea. Come immediately. Come immediately. help come immediately I need I need you right now right now right now right now I need you right now so uh, 
I, I, I've learned growing up that uh, I learned you can't have any doubt when you're asking God to do a miracle. Because if you do, he won't do it. That's the biggest bunch of crock. It's a lie from the pit of hell. It's not true. Got to have all your ducks in a row. You're going to be at the perfect place of strength. And then you can come to God. Then he'll get, no, 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 my friends. There are some times, there are some times you have fought long and hard and you're not sure if it's going to work out. So all I have right now is mustard seed faith. That's all I have right now. And when you have mustard seed faith and you have a mountain size of doubt, I want you to know that mustard seed faith put in the hands of God is enough to see that mountain thrown into the sea. That's what Jesus promised us. I'm telling you, he is not done yet everything is possible for the one who believes everything is possible and when God is for it and God has said it's yours and God has said the breakthrough is coming and God has said the door is opening and God has said he's going to make a way there is not a devil in hell there's not a drama situation there's not a problem you're facing that will be able to withstand the power of almighty God everything is possible to the one who believes Everything is possible. Everything is possible. You guys got me preaching so much, I'm spinning up here. Hook me up with a Bishop Jenks hanky. And everything is possible. Everything is possible. Everything is possible. Everything is possible. The one who believes. Okay, I'm, I'm, all, I'm all done. I'm all, I'm, all, I'm, all, I'm all done. But I want you to read. I want you to read the rest of this chapter later. Because you think it gets better. It gets worse. It gets worse. Jesus cast the spirit out. He says, I command you, you deaf and mute spirit, I command you to come out of him. The boy falls to the ground and looks dead looks dead everyone says that didn't work wasn't Jesus wasn't done yet <laughs> just looked dead he wasn't done yet Jesus then grabbed the boy by the hand and pulled him up okay so don't judge don't don't declare your situation is permanent off of a temporary picture okay that's just a temporary picture okay you, you didn't watch the whole Instagram story. You had to watch the whole story all the way through. You had to keep tapping, okay? You just you closed your phone too early. If you tapped one more, if you just kept tapping, you would have seen that not just the boy went down. You would have seen that the boy also got up, okay? So do not think for a second you're forgotten. Looks like your faith has failed. It hasn't failed. It's God growing you. He's growing you, all right? He's maturing you. He's, he's increasing your capacity. And man, it hurts sometimes. <sighs> hurts sometimes. But you got to go through it to grow, okay? You got to go through it to grow. To become all that God has, you got to go through that to grow. Lord, I believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. <laughs> I don't know if there's a better prayer to pray. <laughs> and you got a loving father that's on your side, ready to work miracles on your behalf. 
If you're in mind, church family, bow your heads just for a moment. If you're under the sound of my voice today, you've never given your heart and your life to Christ. You've never made him number one. You've never made him first. But you're here today. You're saying you don't want to go your own way anymore. You want to go his way. You don't want to be first in your life. You want him to be first. If you've never given your heart and your life to Christ or at one point in time you did, you've slipped away and you've gone another direction. I'm going to ask you to do something simple but something bold. I want you to respond to God working on your heart right now. And I want you to say yes to his grace. Say yes to surrendering your life. And you're saying there is nothing else in my life that will be first any longer. Jesus, I want you first. I want you to be boss. I want you to be Lord. I want you to be in charge of my life. This moment is for you. If you've never done this or at one point in time you did and you slipped away on the count of three, I want you to shoot your hand in the air and say, yes, that is me. I want to give my heart and my life to Christ. Ready? One, two, three. Just shoot your hand in the air. You're saying, yes, that's me. I want to give my heart. I want to give my life to Christ. I want to make him number one. There you go. Come on. We got friends all over this place raising their hands what a moment of transformation a moment of a new beginning a moment of a fresh start see my friends all on the balcony my friends all on the floor this is a moment we prayed for you heaven's rejoicing for you right now let's get everyone to do me a favor put your hand over your heart if you would not mind every person put your hand over your heart and I want you to repeat this prayer out loud after me say dear Jesus I ask you to forgive me of all my sins I admit I made mistakes, and today I give you my heart, I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Let's clap our hands with enthusiasm for every friend, every family member of ours.